Hey, good morning. My name is Brian Jones. If we haven't met, we're so glad that we could be together. I want to start out by asking a question. Yes or no answer. For those of you who are at home, gathered wherever you are, watching this and joining us together in our church service, yes or no? I'm willing to change my mind about deeply cherished beliefs that I have held for a long time. Yes or no? Are you the kind of person that is willing to change your beliefs about deeply cherished uh, things that you believe to be true and you believe them to be true for a long time, are you willing to change those? The reason I ask is I'm going to try to change your mind today. Now, this isn't going to be a Christmas isn't in the Bible kind of sermon. I'm not, that's not it at all. What this is is a I'm going to change your mind about Jesus sermon. And it's going to be challenging, but it's going to be good. And I want even the smallest kids in the room to hear it because we're going to learn something that's taught in the Bible that isn't necessarily understood by a lot of churches. Now, we're continuing our series called Bring on Christmas. And this past Sunday, we started the series. We started talking about our familiarity bias that we see in the genealogy of Jesus. And we were excited to jump in and be with you live Uh, today, but hey, this is 2020, right? So as soon as we had church on Sunday and then we announced that, hey, Christmas Eve is coming and our services and people are signing up and the services are filling up, two days later, the governor turns around and pleads with churches to go virtual in December and for Christmas Eve. And as disciples of Jesus, we're asked to be good citizens. We're asked to do things that are good for the city in which we live And so we felt as a church leadership that it would be the right thing to do. And so we made a decision that we're going to go back to just virtual services um, until January 17th. And here's how we came up with that. We're experiencing the after effects of Thanksgiving and COVID spread and all the numbers, which you see every night on TV. Uh, Then we're going to have Christmas Eve and how that's going to be a super spreader event. And then we're going to have New Year's. And so what we did is we just took 14 days that the CDC says that you need to uh, distance yourself afterwards. Uh, And we took 14 days and we just said, well, the very next Sunday will be January 17th. We hate doing this. We have been working for months on Christmas Eve, but it's still going to be a very powerful and meaningful service. Make sure you take advantage of the Christmas at home kits that we're providing and make sure you reserve the opportunity to get one of those. Anyway, today, what is so challenging about Jesus that we're going to hear? Last week, we talked about the genealogy of Jesus. We talked about how when we look at Jesus, he changes our familiarity bias. Well, this whole, this whole um, message that we're going to look at is going to challenge what we believe to be familiar about what's central about Christmas. Let me go ahead and jump into Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, where it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and for those of you who have been around CCV for a long time, we've talked about how there was this movement before Jesus um, the um, people who were um, uh, Hasidim, people were the holy ones. 
uh, the Pharisee. It was a different mindset that people had. And Joseph was one of these people, very devout to the law and to the interpretation of the rabbis. Anyway, he didn't want to expose her to public divorce. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. We all know the story, right? And then verse 21, it says, she will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place, Isaiah says, so that the virgin will conceive, give birth to a son. And here's the whole point of this message. They will call him Emmanuel, which is a Hebrew word. And because a lot of Matthew's readers were Greek and they didn't understand what Emmanuel was, he translated it back into Greek from Hebrew and said, Emmanuel means God with us. Now, it doesn't matter where you are in the country. It doesn't matter what church service you're going to go to. Every church is going to talk about how God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us now. God came to earth and God is with us. And the reality is, what in the world does that mean? What does it actually mean? It sounds like this pious talk that doesn't really have any teeth to it. And the problem is that Christians don't understand who they're talking to. They don't understand who they're interacting with. For since the beginning of time, and if you look at, the, look at this chart here, since the beginning of time, every Christian's ever become a Christian, uh, and here in, in America particularly, they look from the beginning of time until 2020, and they're like, it's all Jesus. It's been Jesus from the very beginning. And whenever they pray and whenever they think about God and up there and I'm praying and all that kind of thing, they're like, it's all Jesus. It's always been Jesus. That's not what the Bible teaches. What the Bible teaches is actually, if you look at the chart here, that God the Father is the one that we've been interacting with. Jesus was only on earth for three years. And notice this, since Jesus's resurrection in the beginning of the church, some 50 days later, the Holy Spirit is who you've been praying with. The Holy Spirit is who you've been interacting with. You have not been interacting with Jesus, the physical person that walked on earth for 30-some years in Galilee. When you talk to, about God and you, I felt, led by to do this, it's the Holy Spirit that you've been interacting with. And so one of the things that Christians struggle with is this. Jesus is in heaven now. Jesus is no longer here. Many Christians believe that they're praying to, listening to, and being helped by Jesus when that's not true. When they're actually interacting with the Holy Spirit. Many Christians will say, well, the whole thing's Jesus. When the reality is if you want to live an extraordinary life and be used by God to impact people, you have to understand who you're interacting with. And so what I want to do is I want to help you understand the difference, okay? So John 16, 7 says, Very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he's basically saying this. If I stay on earth, there's only one of me, and I can go to, only get around so fast. But if I go to heaven, I will send the Holy Spirit 
and God will be present through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I can be everywhere. I can be one person interacting in one place at one time with one person, or I can interact with all billions of you at the same time. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about what it actually means for God to be with us for those of us who are disciples of Jesus. And the first is this, what is the, what does the Holy Spirit do? The first is this, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our need to become Christians. Without the Holy Spirit, none of us would ever become followers of Jesus. For those of you who are Christians, do you remember the moment when you felt convicted by God to give your life to Jesus? Do you remember that? Like, I remember 1985, I went to Orton Davis Park. I pulled up to the basketball courts. I was in my dad's 1983 Brown Pontiac Bonneville. And God had been dealing with me for weeks. And just his presence was so overwhelming with me that on that day, that afternoon, when I was going to play basketball with some friends, I sat in the driver's seat, and in the passenger seat was Jesus, in the person of the Holy Spirit. He was in the car with me. And that never would have happened if Jesus would have stayed on earth. If Jesus would have stayed one person in one body at one time in one locale, he wouldn't be able to be dealing with me and at the same time be dealing with you and you and you and you and you. It would have been impossible. So it was good that he went. Look what Jesus said. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And I can just imagine that some of you are here right now feeling the pull of the Holy Spirit on your heart. The Holy Spirit is here right now as I'm talking, teaching the Bible, and the Holy Spirit is in your home right now, dealing with your heart, touching your heart, encouraging you to give your life to Jesus. That never would have happened if Jesus would have stayed here on earth. By the way, if you feel that and you're ready, God has been moving in your heart and you're like, that's it, I'm good, I'm in. I want you to pull out the church app and I want you to push that button that says get back baptized. And we will schedule that time to help you make that a reality. Second thing, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us when we give our lives to Christ at baptism. A lot of people argue, when do you get the Holy Spirit? And we're like, what does the Bible say? The very first thing the Bible says about it is, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of, the sin, of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's at that moment when you give your life to Christ that God comes to live inside of you. So it's really weird to think about it that before we become Christians, God is out there, outside of us. But after we become Christians, God is here inside of us. A lot of people are like, I really don't feel close to God right now. Where is God? He's inside of you. You just don't feel it. He is in you, actually, physically occupying your soul, your body, your mind. Now listen, the Bible is clear. The difference between Christians and non-Christians is that Christians have God living inside of them and non-Christians don't. If you're at home and you're with someone who hasn't given their life to Christ yet, there's a difference. All the people in the room that have given their life to Christ have God living inside of them. 
The people that haven't don't. That's why God is trying to chase them down. That's why our whole church is mobilized to reach people who haven't heard yet. But it's important that you understand that about the Holy Spirit. When Christmas is like all these Christmas hymns and and the, the feelings and all that sort of thing, God is inside of you. That's what it means that God is with you. He's inside of you. Or at least he opens up the possibility that he can come and live inside of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? It's like uh, uh, since the very beginning of our church, we've baptized, uh, gosh, I don't know, probably 2,500 people, I think the number is. And so all throughout the greater Philadelphia metro area and throughout the world, there are 2,500 people through the ministry of the church that are running around like little temples filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Third, the Holy Spirit seals us and protects us from the enemy attacks. Can I share a question that a lot of people, Christians will ask me? They will ask, can a Christian be demon-possessed? And my immediate response is, are we talking about a Cowboys fan? And if we are, of course, yes, they can be demon-possessed. But as a Christian, no. You can't be demon-possessed because you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that is, this coming spring, I have to seal my driveway. It's pretty rough, and, and I just I need to do some patchwork, and I need to seal it. And the reason I put this sealant on the driveway, all across the driveway, is why? You know, because you do it. You put a sealant on your driveway because you're trying to keep uh, the chemicals that are in the rain and the salt coming from the car from penetrating down into the asphalt and eating away and breaking up and creating cracks in your asphalt. The sealant creates an impenetrable field around the asphalt. The Bible tells us that you have a force field surrounding you that protects you from the enemy. We know that because Ephesians 1.13 says, and you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, a seal that covers you. Like a TV show I'm watching lately, The Mandalorian. You see The Mandalorian. I'm just waiting for The Mandalorian. Uh, this is an old Star Wars figure to push a button and <sighs> there's going to be this field around The Mandalorian that's going to keep him from getting attacked. You have that that keeps you from being hurt by the evil one. I think that's really, really awesome. Four, let me give you just a couple more. The Holy Spirit makes you a member of the church. You were baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews, Gentiles, slave, or free. In other words, when you become a Christian, you're a member of the church. Now, churches like ours may have membership classes to help you understand our unique philosophy and belief system, but make no mistake, you're already a member. Next, the Holy Spirit gives you supernatural abilities to build up each other's faith. You're in a room, a family room, a living room, a kitchen, on a table, maybe you're laying in your bed and holding this phone up. God, if you are a disciple of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and you now have supernatural abilities. Let me give you an example. Uh, for a sermon uh, series of talks I'm doing in 2021, I emailed my dad one of the smartest guys I know. I emailed him and I said, hey, uh, we're doing this series. Can you look this over and give me some feedback? He emails me back pages 
And I'm like, oh my goodness, like I never saw that about this passage. That's going to be so helpful for people. And you want to know why I did it? Because he was given at conversion supernaturally the power to teach people by the Holy Spirit. You have been given supernaturally the ability to encourage people by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have been given the ability to speak encouragement, to confront, to teach, to lead, to give. And that comes because Jesus has now gone to heaven and the Holy Spirit is now living in you. Uh, here's another one. The Holy Spirit will prompt you to do things, just like in the Bible when it says, then the Spirit said to Philip, go, and, go up and join this chariot. The Holy Spirit will make us feel bad when we do things outside the will of God. Um, one of the strange things that the body can do is that you can get nerve damage, and what will happen is you will cease to feel pain, which is essentially what leprosy is in a nutshell. You sense to have nerve endings at the ends of your extremities that will signal to you that this is something you ought to avoid. For those of you who have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, now you have a trigger inside of you that when you do something that's outside of the will of God, it will cause you to wince. It will cause you to say to yourself, that's probably not right. I think God inside of me is saying, this is a bad decision or this is a bad thing to do. And so my question to you is, what is it that you are most challenged by today by the Holy Spirit? Francis Chan, the author of Francis Chan, talks about the Holy Spirit as the forgotten God. That we talk about God the Father all the time in the Old Testament. We talk about Jesus in the New Testament, but we never talk about the Holy Spirit. I want you to change that. Because when we talk about God being with us at Christmas, it is not like some cheesy saying on a Hallmark card that you would send to, send to someone. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. Our good wishes and good feelings are with you. We all know that that basically means nothing. But when the Bible says that he was named Emmanuel, God with us, he went and died on the cross, rose from the dead, and then sent the Holy Spirit to live inside every single disciple of Jesus, that's real. You're going through a difficult time right now. Where's God? He's like in you. You can feel him now. He's not out there somewhere. He's in you. You don't know how to pray. The book of Romans talks about when we don't know how quite to pray, the spirit will pray for us. Listen, I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what you're struggling with. Maybe you're doing just fine. I know that someone needed this message in our community. I know that people needed this message that when we talk about the Christian faith, when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about making sacrifices and giving and persevering, it's not because there's some cheesy hallmark saying on a Christmas card that says God is with us. He's with you. He's in you. He's changing you. He is shaping you. He's guiding you. He's praying with you and for you and to you and around you. 
God is with you. So what I want to do is I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us correct theologically. I I want us together as a community to pray right now with this understanding that the one that we're interacting with now is is the Holy Spirit. God the Father working through the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus has done in the past for us. So let's pray. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for creating this world and especially for creating a way back to you when we get lost. You did that through your son, Jesus, to whom we've committed ourselves to sit at his feet and learn from him about your ways. Father, we thank you that Jesus has come to teach us your ways because without him, they would be unknowable. We thank you that after he went back to you, that you came again in the form of the Holy Spirit to make these teachings become a reality in our everyday lives. No longer confined to one body and one place, Father, you are now truly our Emmanuel, God with us, just like Jesus said you would be. So Father, through your Spirit, we know that you convict us of our need to become followers of Jesus. You come to live inside of us. You seal us to protect us from the enemy. You make us a member of your universal network of spirit and dwelled temples scattered throughout the earth, carrying on the mission. You give us supernatural abilities to build up each other's faith in our local church expressions. You give us boldness to share the message of Jesus with those who do not have the spirit yet. And thankfully, you make us feel remorse when we do things that are outside of your will. So Father, we approach you because of what your son made possible for us on the cross. And we know our prayers are heard because of your spirit now living inside of us, interceding with us and flowing these prayers towards you in a sense so that they are directed to you and so they are heard. And so we thank you, Father, for truly being and becoming our Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.